0: Hi, I'm Katie Humphrey, and welcome to the Behind the Business podcast. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Behind the Business podcast with me, Katie Humphrey. And today I have a very special guest. We are coming at you from a slightly different tack. As you know, normally I do these podcasts with self employed entrepreneurs, Um, but this time I'm speaking to a wonderful gentleman who is within the corporate sector, and his name is Tim Foster. And Tim is the VP for EMEA for Upland Software. And he has 25 years experience in software and tech sales in the B2B sector. So hi, Tim. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Katie. Many thanks for your time. Lovely to speak to you.
0: Yes, and you. I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about today. So Tim and I met um, at a Christmas party uh, a couple of years ago, actually, online for the first one and in person this year, which was really exciting. Um, and we started talking about coaching and what I do and how Tim has experienced that in the corporate world. And I just think it's going to be a really, really interesting look from almost like the other side, really. So, uh, Tim, do you want to get us going by telling us a little bit more about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. So from behind the curtain of the corporate world. Yeah. Um, love what you're doing, Katie, around coaching. Yeah. Um, And certainly the last couple of years has really brought this into sharp focus for me, being a a manager of a team of of salespeople and support people, but doing it remotely has, has actually made coaching and looking after people and making sure they're happy and effective, you know, harder, but even more important than it was when we got to meet people face to face. Um, Now, luckily, you know, we're starting to have meetings face-to-face, so um, it'll be interesting to see how actually people adapt from that world to this world. But certainly, um, my my background, as you say, I've been in in software sales for about 25 years. Um, Upland acquired our previous organisation, which I've been with for a long time, Um, and fundamentally, we are helping sales and revenue teams be more effective. So our typical customer um, will be sales teams with hundreds if not thousands of sales who are all selling fairly large complicated solutions um, with quite a high ticket price and we help them to do that more effectively. So giving them processes, training, tools, methodologies um, to really just try and simplify that buying and selling experience. Um, so as a as a practitioner of those processes and methods myself, that's also what my team does and helps for our customers. Um, so yeah, I mean it's been it's been an interesting time over the last couple of years, but we've been really successful. We've grown the business by over forty five percent in the last two years, which, particularly bearing in mind um, you know lockdown and COVID, has been a, has been a great result. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's what we do at Upland.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for that. And a growth of 45% over the pandemic is amazing. Very, very amazing. Um, So one of the things that we're going to start by talking about today is a motto you have, which I've heard many times, um, and that is first fast and fearless. So do you want to kind of explain to the listeners what that means and where that's come from?
1: Yeah, um, I it, so um, call it a motto, call it a touchstone. I don't know what to call it, but we actually also have a first fast and fillers cut that I present every quarter to the person that's gone beyond the call of duty. But um, I launched it um, actually as we almost as we went into lockdown, and uh, where it really came from was really my experiences over the last twenty five years. There were there've been a number of sort of mentors I've had who've all sort of taught me different things or I've learned things from and those sort of all culminated in the first fast and fearless and really where that comes from or what it means is that the importance of the first is that particularly in the current world and particularly when people were not meeting face to face the importance of being the early bird you know that catches the worm was really important all of our customers are going through significant digital transformation you know they're turning their businesses from old-fashioned paper face-to-face onto online digital channels and they're all at different levels of that journey and it's quite complicated and you know every company even companies that aren't technology companies now are almost presenting themselves as digital transformation specialists. So there's a huge amount of noise. And if you think about our customers, th- they can only really partner with a few organizations. So if you become one of those, you know, the first to get in there and lead them with insight and knowledge, then you, know, you will work really closely and build up a great partnership and ultimately have success for them and you. Um, so the importance of being first is is really important in our in our business. The the second one is about speed. So again, from the customer's perspective, everyone is really time poor. Customers are trying to do too many things. They're bombarded with data, um, and actually, so they have to make really quick decisions. So it's really important that we are speedy. But the other thing is actually internally, the the thing that I see is we have to be quick in making decisions. So let's get the data, let's find out what the problem is, what we're trying to achieve, but then we have to make an action. You know, particularly in sales, you have to you have to lead the pace and um, you know sending emails backwards and forwards, having lots of complicated conversations internally. That doesn't move things forward with the customer. So, so being fast is is really important, and particularly in sales, you know, time kills all deals. So we really have to have this mantra of of um, this is this is important, and moving quickly, and and make sure we're actually driving to a decision. And then the final one, the fearless one, as it sounds. Um, when we launched the new business unit, which was in February two thousand twenty just before covid hit we basically took four companies and put them together and of those four companies um, everyone was really uh, an expert in one area one product you know a subject matter expert of one area and we put everyone together and said great news you're now going to be working and speaking to your customer about not one thing but four things and so the natural reaction was I don't know anything, I need to wait, I need to train, I can't talk about that. But um, actually, people have enough knowledge, they have enough skill, and the only re- real way well that you learn those skills is by is by jumping in. So the fearless piece is just having the, the courage to think big and actually just have the courage of your convictions and jump in. And, um, and, and what we found is when you when you jump in and start engaging, speaking to the customer um, and colleagues, that's where you really actually tr- learn learn your experience. So that's where that's where the first fast and fearless came from, and it's been a it's been a really important sort of mantra for us over the last couple
0: of years. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you for uh, explaining that a little bit more for us. And I think the fearless part, the courage and the confidence is um, a really interesting part and something that I think we're gonna kind of delve into a little bit more about being able to say no and having that confidence to leap into something when you don't have necessarily all of the knowledge. Um, So do you want to just take us back a little bit in terms of your journey of learning how to say no and the confidence and how that kind of came about for you?
1: Yeah you're dead right confidence is um people will talk about it and think about it but maybe they don't really analyze it and often when i see when i see people sort of getting stuck into detail or hesitating um it it usually is down to a, um, a lack of confidence and it's sort of people will end up doing the easy small things and that's generally from a lack of confidence now i'm not saying that the easy small things don't have to get done but very often it yeah it comes from the confidence so yeah i um just going back to um before <laughs> before work i suppose i i was i was brought up and we um, i remember as a, uh, as a child growing up we would always discuss things robustly as a family at the dinner table So straight, my my dad my dad was a lawyer. He was a lawyer for sixty years, and so discussion, ideas, opinions you know a safe environment. I think that's really important. Again, people forget that um, just because you're disagreeing with someone's point of view doesn't mean that you can't discuss it, and having the confidence to get you know get to the heart of the problem without people being you know upset or emotional I think it's a really I think it's a really important thing. Um but going back to sort of early days of working I remember my first boss um re- uh, did loads of role plays with me. Um, that was you know when we joined the organization and two or three times a week I'd have a role play over the phone he- He'd be in his office. I'd be, you know, out on the floor, you know, early sales job, and it was this. I and that's a great, you know, you have to go through those uncomfortable, or I call them sweaty moments. You have to go through those sweaty moments to build up your confidence. Actually, you know, in your first sales job, doing a a cold call role play with your boss, you know, that's that's really that's terrifying, but you know leaping in and for his credit Richard making me do that you know starts to build up that that level of confidence I thought you know that was a that was my first of um foray into the the uncomfortable world sometimes of sales and learning to you know learning to embrace that uncomfortable stuff
0: yeah and I think because I I come from a Strange enough, from a very corporate sales background as well. So I completely resonate with you in that feeling of doing the sweaty things and doing the role plays and cold calling and things like that. Um, but you know, it's like you said, confidence comes from action and it's not something that you can just, you don't get confidence, you don't from my perspective, I don't think you even learn confidence. There are things that you can do that can help you feel more confident, but it is about taking that action, isn't it? And doing the sweaty things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like um, I was presenting a webinar last week and it was, um, we were talking about trust Um, and, you know, there's the, the, it's really good. It's, it's called the trust equation and it's a combination of um, reliability, credibility Intimacy divided by your self orientation. So, if you are providing credible information, um, you're doing it in a reliable way, you're actually sharing, you know, some uh, personal or important information, and you're not completely orientated on yourself. That's the thing that builds trust. It's a bit like that with confidence, as you say. You can't, you know, you have to, like, you have to earn trust, you have to earn confidence and you only earn it by by putting the effort in so again i see even you know even experienced sellers who have been doing it for 20 years and i put myself through it but you know experienced sellers have been doing it for 20 years i still put them through those sweaty moments to just make sure they're keeping that you know that confidence that confidence battery charged up if you like that sounds a bit that sounds a bit twee but you know but but you know what i mean you know you have to have to keep pushing yourself um i had a colleague that used to say yeah if you're not you know, as soon as you stop learning you stop getting better so you know that's that's another big thing for my team is make sure that every week you're learning something new you're putting yourself in a in a in a new situation like this i've never done a podcast before so there you are tick thank you very much
0: I didn't know that. I didn't know it was your first one. Yeah. Oh, well done. Well done for taking that step.
1: Thank you um, very
0: much. <laughs> you're doing very well, by the way.
1: <laughs> the nerves aren't kicking in too much, hopefully.
0: That's good. That's good. But it is, it's about taking yourself out of your comfort zone, isn't it? And I think people stay very small when they stay in their comfort zone and it all comes from a place of fear. You know, it's the fear of the unknown, the fear of judgment, the fear of getting it wrong. Um, And it really stops people from growing and flourishing to be the person that they're meant to be because we just stay, we stay comfortable.
1: And a lot of, in my, in my experience, a lot of it actually comes from how they've been, uh, managed and coached or not coached in the past so in 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 my world critical to success is obviously closing significant deals and so you know these deals can take three six maybe sometimes nine months you know there can be be millions of dollars of total contract value so there's you know there's a lot of state there's a lot on the line and 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 obviously everyone is is pretty invested financially and emotionally in them so and in the past sometimes many salespeople, when they get bad news or know it's not going to happen in the timeline or they haven't won the contract they that you know they they tell their manager or they ask for help and they're they're shut down they get you know they get emotion they get anger and therefore that puts in their mind well i'm i'm not going to do that again so it 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 um it stops them having the confidence early on saying, hang on, I think we've got a problem. And the actually one of the methodologies, and one of the practices we have um, internally and with our customers is called a test and improve, which is a very open way of discussing what getting out on the table, what, what the current status of the deal is and what's possibly broken, you know, what are the red flags, but you get the brains on it in a collaborative way early so that you can put plans in place to mitigate those risks but coming back to the confidence so many sales people have been um you know not not really properly listened to before that they don't have the confidence to you know raise problems um and luckily i've i've never suffered from that
0: (laughs) within your team then and, and within the people that you manage at upland what do you do to cultivate that confidence with them um,
1: so yeah i mean just going back uh, going back to um those le- those lessons i learned that really sort of shaped me and sort of informed that first fast and fearless so these the there's the um as a team going through those sweaty moments you know helps people build that confidence um the other thing is is thinking about a previous boss um lee um was actually leading the way so do you know never asking people to do things themselves that you won't do yourself so i'm always really conscious that um i'll always do so when we're learning new things learning new technologies having conversations with people that we don't know about i'll always get involved and do that as well so i think literally leading from the front and showing people it's okay to do stuff that you haven't done before and fail and be honest about it i think that's i think that's really important um, and i think probably i mean you know you can you can ask them but i think the where this comes to head is if you imagine you've got someone on the deal and they uh, they've explained what or we've worked out what the problems are the real point there is okay well what do you do then do you tell them to go and fix it you know get annoyed with them and and move them on or do you actually then roll up your sleeves and actually do something to help them um so for for me that's that's the most important thing is quickly getting to the heart of what the problem is and then them having the confidence and knowing that you will do everything you can with your experience and getting other people involved to help them to you know overcome those overcome those issues so i think that's the is that is that trust is that confidence repaid by your actions as you said earlier talk is cheap you know what i I, you know i've bared my soul i've said this is the problem i don't know how to fix it what happens from then does action actually Follow. So yeah, I'm I'm all about action and fixing the problems.
0: And I think something you mentioned earlier as well would fall into that and that's listening. And that's something from my corporate experience is something that was missing when I was there. And it's like you said earlier, if you go to your manager or your boss or whoever and just say, you know, this deal isn't coming through or something's happening or I'm not gonna hit my target, it's having somebody listen to you and then work collaboratively with you whereas a lot of time from my experience it was just met with kind of anger and frustration of and just that kind of just go and sort it out Um, so I think I definitely think what you mentioned earlier about listening is a really huge part of it as well
1: yeah, that that was another really important thing um, that, that I've learned throughout my career. And uh, again, I remember in an early sales job, I, I sat next to a a wily Scotsman who was probably twenty years older than me, but he was he was he was great at listening and also, um, you know, real deep real deep listening and getting to the heart of a what the customer's problem is but also the getting to the getting to the truth about what it is that they were really wanting to do fortunately particularly within our job very often people aren't giving you the whole picture and you can invest lots of time and effort and money on a project that isn't actually as critically important as the customer would like to point out so again it's it, by by really understanding whether it's an internal conversation or with a customer, really understanding what's going on and the nuance again relates really well into coaching. Um, we did a we did some leadership coaching in Boulder, Colorado, in um, in November. Um, and uh, a really, a really good workshop, actually. And one of the topics we were talking about was there were various coaching models, but one of them was around feedback. And uh, Billy Martin, who led, who led the session, um, was, was doing an exercise about how very easily you can overwhelm people with feedback. You know? So I'm a manager. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and give you some really good, helpful, honest feedback. And the traditional way is you know people will the manager will overwhelm that individual with well you could have done it this way and that wasn't very good and they're probably or they'll probably already know that that meeting didn't go very well so they've probably got that swimming around in their head anyway and then you turn up and start to say oh and you didn't do that and you should have done it that way and i could have done it better and you you know you've got to go and fix it well. You know that doesn't actually really help build trust or confidence we we need to understand and listen to the person what they're thinking before we can start to give give that feedback because actually you're probably both thinking the same thing but by them articulating it first that turns that coaching or feedback session into a much more you know um a much more palatable way for them to discuss it, rather than you offloading your your frustrations onto them.
0: That's a really important part of coaching as well. It's it's empowering somebody to think of something for themselves. Because if like if, if I tell you to do something, that's not going to have anywhere near as much power as if you think of that yourself. And if I think when when you're at work and you're doing a job day to day, you know things that you are doing better than others and things that you need more help with you know so like you said you will probably know the same things as your manager will come and tell you there may be some things that you you are oblivious to but most of it you'll know yourself so like you said I think it's important to kind of structure it in that coaching way where you get people to think about things for themselves and it's much more empowering that way
1: yeah yeah I um I um i did some did a 360 feedback session with a number of people that worked for me and worked with me um in the last year and um what one of the comments on the feedback was sort of you know uh tim supportive and great at coaching but sometimes i wish you'd just give me the answer (laughs) and it's like you know i'm sort of conflicted with you know uh, so is um intellectually I enjoy helping people to get to the answer themselves because then it means when I'm not there they you know they, they've learned that skill to do it for themselves which is obviously good for them and and is obviously scalable but then I think I you know so I take that comment on board sometimes people just don't know the answer and really don't have a clue um, and sometimes want to just be literally told the answer um, but I thought that was I thought that was quite interesting, and i didn't I didn't know uh, I didn't know if I should keep keep teasing it out and coaching people to the question or give people the answer a little bit a little bit more soon.
0: What did you take from that?
1: Um, what did I take from that um, well i th- I think it meant that i was i think it meant that I was really doing my job as a as a coach properly so I, I, I'd i probably rather be on the side of yeah we got to the answer but you know it took a bit of time and then probably in reflection people will will realize maybe even a long way down the line that oh actually because of the process we went through I worked it out for myself therefore it's sort of it's more ingrained in me um, so I think i probably rather be on that side of the fence than you know dispensing my wisdom <laughs> to people <laughs> before, before they before they really needed it. So um yeah I, I think that's the I think that's the right balance. But the the workshop we did in um in America last year it's good we're we're now actually going to be rolling out a level down the organization. Um Pat Morrissey who's the uh, the general manager of our of our of our business unit, uh, you know, coaching actually is a really important thing we've identified as a le- leadership team that we're spending a lot of time on this year. So, you know, that's the that's the next level of commitment is, you know, making sure we're uh, we're supporting and training as you know, the whole organisation on on coaching because it's not just a manager thing. You know, it's a it's a peer to peer thing. In some situations, it's also a customer thing. You know, if you've got the skills of holding good cust, uh, holding good conversations, listening, having that confidence, that's a you know that's a really important skill for for interaction with customers as well.
0: You know, it's so heartwarming for me as a coach to see such a humongous you know global company making coaching such a priority because it is so important, like you said, and not just. From management but all the way down into the company and like you said with customers and also for people to take home and use those skills and techniques for themselves as well from a personal perspective not just within business and within work you know being able to kind of coach yourself and figure things out for yourself and learning those skills and from a personal perspective is is so important um, and yeah. so it's, it's really nice to see that that's actually coming from such a like I said such a huge company.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, my observation would be that, you know, for me- for many years people have said, "Oh, the number one reason people leave companies is because they don't like their boss," um, and that's been that's been the number one reason for as long as I can remember. But actually, it's taken it's taken large businesses quite a long time to sort of catch up to that fact. Um, but I do think certainly within our business and certainly with lots of customers I speak to the, um, the effort, the time, the money, the resources that companies are now on making sure that managers are doing the right things and are skilled to really support and improve their people, you know, not just lip service, but actually make, you know, making this a priority, having programs, spending money on it. So, um, I think it's, um, uh, yeah, I do think it's a really important thing. And I think actually within, within our company and as I say, other similar companies, it's really something that, that happens now. Whereas when I started, it really, you know, you really were, it was, it was pot potluck. You either got a really good manager or you got a terrible manager and there was no middle ground. They were either really good and you got lucky or you got, you know, you got a traditional, bad manager just shouting pointing not helping at all so i think that's i think that's changed for good certainly over the last five years significantly
0: yeah and it's so great to see because you know the same for me i had some really really terrible managers when i was in corporate sales um and like you said the shouting and the finger pointing and the like humiliation in front of your team and all that kind of thing so it's so nice because I've been kind of outside of that for a couple of years now. It's really nice to hear that change is being made um, because it is so important. And, and, it's, and it's funny because at the time I loved sales and I've, without kind of blowing my own trumpet too much, I've always been naturally really good at sales because I'm good at talking to people and listening and which is why I've ended up in coaching. Um, but it drove me out because it was so... Stressful and such a toxic, horrible environment for me to be in. I just couldn't. I couldn't bear it. And I moved a couple of companies to see if it was, you know, just the the one boss that was awful. And I unfortunately ended up landing with a few different ones that were all of the same kind of tack of, you know, shouting and and being aggressive and and whatnot. Um, and it and it drove me out of something that I loved to do. Um. Which and I think that's happened to quite a few people over the years. Yeah,
1: I think it uh, and it it does come back to that central theme of confidence and having the confidence to um, decide wherever you are on the chain. You know, salesperson, sales manager, CEO, whatever. But having that confidence to decide what are the things that you're going to spend your time on, because what particularly what happens in in our sort of world is we say we say to our sales teams right here are 10 things that you have to do and then next month they go oh hang on uh, you really need to do this and then over time you imagine you know you imagine this 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 cart full of critical things they've got to do you know they've got these 10 critical things they have to load onto their cart and pull around with them and over time people say oh this is really important. You have to update this. Oh, you have to do this. Oh, don't forget to do that. And before you know it, you have too many things to do. And then someone starts shouting to say, you haven't done critical thing number 18. And then that's at the point where it's the the salesperson, but probably more importantly, their manager, it's the importance then of that person having the confidence to say, no, here are the five really important things we said we're going to do, and they are complicated and take time and we can't do the other 16 things. And then, you know, it's that confidence to push back to whoever's asking you to do something that wasn't critically important and say, we're we're not doing that now. Um, We can't do that now. So again, that just giving people that confidence to, Pick their few, you know, another, another mantra within our team is fewer bigger deals. Again, it's really easy to end up collecting all these opportunities where you think, oh, they're going to convert. But actually, in our business, to really understand what the customer's trying to do and progress those projects into money and resources, take lots of time. And if if you're managing more than five at any one time, you're not going to do a very good job and you won't end up actually converting those so again having the confidence to say right i've got five someone comes knocking with number six right if i'm going to accept number six which one am i not going to work on anymore again just having that confidence to say no in that instance to to the to the customer is is um is is really
0: and it's it's funny when you say that because the I mean, like I said, I've been out of sales for a couple of years now, but the inner salesperson in me just goes, oh, my God, I can't say no. Like, you know, like I can't say no to an opportunity, but I I completely agree. And um, Andy says this to me quite a lot because I when I when I'm looking at kind of bringing new clients on uh, from a coaching perspective or when I was doing my virtual assistant work. I was getting into that kind of spiral of like saying yes to everything. So anybody who would come to me and, and want coaching or want some tech work doing, I'd just be like, yes, 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 do it all. Um, but actually I ended up with some clients that weren't my ideal client, uh, doing work that I didn't love to do. I mean, I could do it, I was capable to do it and I did it to a good standard, but I didn't enjoy it. But it was because i just said yes to everything and then but by the time I'd said yes to everything, when these ideal clients came to me or these great opportunities came to me, I didn't have time to do them because I was so full with everything that I'd said yes to. Um, but it definitely is confidence. And it's, it's, it's hard to do that. You know, I've, I've found that and I've really struggled. And now I'm a lot better at it because I, I've practiced and I've the action and i started doing it and now i feel much more confident doing it because i took the action but taking that first step and first saying no to somebody who comes to you as an opportunity is quite scary
1: yeah i mean it's um and i can i you know i completely get it because i spent you know i spent 10 or 15 years you know doing doing the job of sales myself and it it is a comfort blanket you know it's a lot it's a lot more comfortable place to be in as a salespeople a salesperson if you've got 10 opportunities rather than five, because, you know, you've got, you know, it's like your reserve, don't worry, but actually, in, in truth, in reality, and I've seen this across hundreds of salespeople in many companies, not just ones I've worked for, but actually customers, it actually doesn't, it actually doesn't bear out that way. And those extra five distract you. When we work with customers, one of the one of the key things that we deliver for them is typically In our world of our typical sweet spot customers, they're winning three out of 10 deals and they are working 10 deals. When we use our opportunity management methodology and our processes, they start winning four in seven. Now you'll notice there's there's two numbers that change there. So four is better than three, they win more deals. That's brilliant. But the other side of the equation is they're working on seven deals, not 10 deals so the deals are bigger better they're in control they're sweet spot customers whenever you get involved in a conversation you're thinking well is this right shall i do it it feels a bit strange it's a bit difficult it's not what we normally do those always end up being the customers that actually you think maybe we shouldn't have worked with them because it's a little bit hard and a little bit different and the project hasn't been as successful so again you know there's there's always, you know, with with the bravery of having that confidence does come, does come the reward. But the real, the reward does come in the end, but it you know, it takes some time to see that reward, which again in, in itself, having that confidence to wait for the good things to happen after the initial no um, is, is again something that takes a bit of a bit of patience and time and confidence to come.
0: But it's it's a bit like the multitasking myth, isn't it? Uh, Where actually, if you multitask on multiple things, you'll do 10 things averagely. But if you focus on five things and do them well and do them separately, you have a much better outcome, you produce much better work. And I suppose when you're from your team and your perspective, when you're working with these clients and you're coming at it. or from a coaching perspective, and you need to listen to them, that's actually quite a emotionally tiring thing to do. And I know it with my coaching clients, I can't do too many in a day because I'm emotionally exhausted. So if you're really listening to your customers and you're having those deep conversations with them, you can't be doing that with 10, 15, 20 people every day yeah. um, because you're just not going to work at full capacity and you're going to switch off and not listen properly.
1: It's, it, it's dead right. So I, um, I know when I've been really concentrating and doing deep listening with, um, you know, with a customer or with um, with one of my team, but particularly with a customer, because if I do a couple of you know detailed conversations where we're really drilling into their business and what they're trying to, do, to achieve and their goals and their pressures and initiatives and what's broken and who's impacted, at the end of the day. My eyes are tired, so I I don't know why. But when my brain's working a lot, I end up I end up with tired eyes. And I know I know when I've got tired eyes that I've really been deep listening. <laughs> so yeah, again, I, um, it it come it comes to quality. Um, you have to get over this superficial. Oh yes, I you know I've 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 pinged this person and we had a quick chat about that. That doesn't really move things forward. We have to back to that trust equation. We have to be in a position where the customer is really starting to share some, um, you know, some important confidential, maybe personally important stuff to them. Because that's, that's why projects get done where there's real pain, not the superficial blah, blah, blah stuff.
0: Yeah, it's coming from a person-centered approach, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you just mentioned the, um, you know, about team and emotion. The, the other The other thing that it reminds me of is we did an exercise, again, I think this last year, led by um, one of my colleagues working out sort of core values, and um, it's a really good exercise. If anyone wants to know, I'm happy to, happy to send it on to them. And you start with a great big long list of core values, and you whittle it down. You get you get down to five, and you do it very quickly. But it's it's quite it's quite interesting. We did them as a leadership team and started to share them. But um, I then did I then did the same exercise with my team, um, and I had my five, and um, you know unprompted. But it was really good in a sort of you know in a in a natural way. Three of my five. Were also common in theirs as well. So it just showed. It, for me, it was a good, um, a good underlining that we were sort of quite close in terms of what was important and the way that we, the way that we work together. Which are, you know, which is we don't have a lot of conflict or argument or too much emotion in our team. Which I think is because we're all sort of fairly clear and pulling in the right direction or the same direction.
0: And I, I love that you've done the core values, and anybody that knows me or listens to me will know just how important I think they are. And I'm I'm a little bit values obsessed if I'm honest. Um, and I think it ties in really nicely with confidence because if you know your core values, it really helps you to underpin decisions you're making. So if you're making a decision that feels scary or nervous or out of your comfort zone, yeah. if you have that decision underpinned with one of your core values, that really helps to give you the confidence to make that decision because it's like, yes, it is scary, and I know that I'm pushing myself out my comfort out my comfort zone, but it's underpinning one of my values, so and it's important. so and I know it's the right thing to do.
1: It's really interesting actually. quite often the um, I get requests from people and they aren't quite sure what to do. And the balance they have, if you imagine the seesaw, the balance they have on the I don't know, on the good side of the seesaw, um, they've got, in their head, they've got the, we should do the right thing for the customer and, you know, integrity, you know, the integrity thing is doing the right thing when no one is looking. So they've got this dilemma of um, the truth is, or the situation is, we should probably do this for the customer, but on the, on the negative side of that seesaw, if they go a different way, they might be able to increase the revenue by this or get an order by that and quite often i get um i get people coming to me saying you know sort of here's the here's the dilemma and you know we can either do it this way or this way and very often for me the those things actually are easy because okay we'd all like the short-term revenue now but you'll have forget you'll have forgotten that in a week and a month, whereas the the feeling of actually did I really do the right thing? Um, you know, one of my one of my core values is respect, and um, just as I want to be respected myself, I'd expect others to respect me. You can't ask for that respect if, given the choice of maybe do the right thing for someone and maybe do something that isn't necessarily right for them so i get those quite a lot which is um yeah what what should i do and actually to your point leaning back to those core values straight away it's quite even though i'd like maybe the revenue to fall in our way actually it's quite an easy decision though let's make sure we're doing the the thing that is right for the the person at the end of that decision line
0: that's where the, the listening and getting to know your customer and something you mentioned earlier, and it's not just about their business and what their business needs, but also understanding them as people. If you can get, obviously, you're not going to know their necessarily their four core values, five core values, but if you can get an inkling of what's important to them, then that's only going to help and support you as a salesperson from that perspective, knowing what's going to be the right thing to offer them and to support them as a customer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's the um, uh, it tends to be in most cases, people are buying what we sell for pain rather than for glory. So very often, you know, the the starting point is, oh, if you buy this, this will increase by X and that will reduce by Y and the world will be a better place and you'll be a hero. Actually, most of the time, the reason that people are buying stuff is they've got a real problem. And if I don't get this fixed, I'll look stupid, I'll lose money, I'll get fired. So again, back to that intimacy, that does that does require a certain level of confidence and trust for that person to admit that everything isn't perfect and this is broken and we've got a real problem. So again, if you if you are, if the way that you approach um, both the customer conversation and internal conversations with honesty about the real situation, they're a lot more likely to sell, to send, sorry, not send, to explain and share their real situation with you. And that's that's definitely going to put you a, a step closer to, um, to winning the business.
0: Well, that's powerful. You know, being able to get somebody to say that to you and providing a safe enough space and an empathic space that they open up and say those things to you. I mean, you kind of got the sale in the bag there and then if you can get that. <laughs> I know, I know that's a bit glib and a bit flippant, but... No,
1: it it... it... It is is true, and um, until uh, when we're reviewing deals, until I can really understand, okay, that problem is owned by that person, um, I can spot spot someone just discussing our technology for technology's sake a mile off, and spot actually when someone's got a real problem that they've they've got to fix um so yeah i mean it's it's really important although we are selling to the largest companies in the world you know we've got customers who employ literally hundreds of thousands of people around the world so although they are huge corporate entities we still are left the dynamic of it is a handful of people who are actually buying within those organizations so we do have to remember it's actually it's not the corporate's problems it's the problems of those individuals now the battle of getting to the right individual and actually finding the problem becomes harder the more people there are but that's that's really important for us to do as well
0: that was brilliant thank you ever so much tim it's been an absolute pleasure and i do feel like we could carry on for a lot longer um but i think that's a really nice place to kind of wrap it up Um, Would you like to just share with the listeners where they can find you and and Upland if they want to kind of find out a bit more about you, about the business?
1: Yeah. So the easiest way is find me on LinkedIn. Um, So Tim Foster, Upland Software. Um, Our website is UplandSoftware.com. But yeah, find me on LinkedIn and uh, yeah, more than happy to uh, more than happy to uh, speak to people.
0: It's fantastic. Thank you again, Tim, ever so much. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you.
1: Thanks, Katie. Continue the good work. Cheers.
0: Thank you to everybody for listening, and I will see you all on the next episode. Hi, and thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Business Podcast, the personal development podcast for people in business. Remember to like and share with anybody who you think might find this interesting. If personal development is something that you are interested in, please head to my website www.katihumphreycoaching.com and see what packages I offer to support you with this. There is a range of packages from one-to-one coaching to joining my wonderful community membership. Please get in touch if you have any questions and I can't wait to speak to you soon.